Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support a planet of plenty. I'm Tom Martin, and with us is Case Arts, founder and CEO of Protix, an insect-based nutrition company headquartered in the Netherlands. Case joins us to talk about his product and about sustainable agriculture. Thanks for joining us, Case. Thanks for having me. Let's begin by having you tell us about your company, Protix, and, and its goals. Well, um, I'll be honored to. So, um, Protix is a company, a market leader in insect-based nutrition. And why is that relevant for a sustainable future? Is because if you think about the role insects play in nature, and it's actually so uh, fascinating and actually quite curious why we never used it in our food system. Because basically every animal, when it's young, when it has to grow fast, and when it needs to build its defense system, it eats insects. Right? Whether it's a bird, reptile, mammal, fish, it doesn't matter. They all eat insects when they're young, they need to grow fast, and need to build their defense system. So insects are vastly nutritious and and even more beautiful, they can be grown and um, harvested from uh, feeding them with food waste. And that is a, a, a very exciting new arena because we're depleting our natural resources, whether they come from land or from the seas, that they're, they're being depleted. Um, and we have this huge amount of food waste, which is nothing more than a whole bunch of nutrients like proteins, lipids, and other nutrients. And we could feed them to insects and basically extract the nutrition from that food waste and make it ready again for anything in pet foods, fish feed, livestock feed, chicken feeds, and even human foods um, uh, in, in the new development pipeline that we're having. So that's a bit, bit about Protex. It started 10 years ago. I'm very proud about uh, all the 130 colleagues that are basically uh, working relentlessly every day, making this, uh, this work at scale. Uh, I wonder, do you think it could be psychological? I mean, this is a generalization, but it seems like a safe one, that humans, uh, for humans, there's kind of an ick factor to consuming insects when you're not really talking about eating a bug. You're talking about what's what's in the bug, correct? Absolutely. Yes, th- there's definitely an ick factor, and it's a pretty cool factor, actually. It's it's, it's a bit like like um, the fir- the first fear people had when they ha- when they were driving a car instead of driving a horse, the car was much faster, and that there was a genuine fear. Um, it's a bit like this as well. That's that's so we have these natural um, uh, barriers against something that is new or something that is small or something that is unknown. So it is natural that there is this ick factor because we haven't used insects in our food system. Um, so it's new. Um, but when you think about it, what do insects really deliver other than, of course, beautiful products like honey, um, is the, is a whole bunch of nutrition. So, and, and, and of course some insects don't look really nice, but if you, if you process them into a protein meal or an oil or a derivative, and you include that into food formulations or feed formulations, then all of a sudden it becomes this va- very interesting source of nutrition. And that is something I think will overcome the egg factor uh, big time in the coming years. Well, I'm really curious about this case. How did you initially arrive at this idea of building an entire business around insect-based nutrition? The, the idea emerged from um, a beer 
on the beach after a diving trip, trip <laughs> which is very simple because uh, I came uh, 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 from the sea again, was genuinely frustrated again by the damage we do through dynamite fishing, overfishing, etc. There was literally nothing to see. So um, you could say it's a bit of an ego centric approach to say okay i i don't have fish to see when i'm diving which is a luxury sport uh what can i do to battle overfishing because i would like to dive and see more tropical fish so but so that, that's where the idea emerged uh because there was some residual knowledge from the past where um my family uh, there are a lot of farmers in the family and my grandfather was feed miller that i knew that a lot of fish is actually caught grounded into a protein meal and then as a protein meal is fed to chicken and other fish. And that is a resource that is actually um, not necessary because insect-based nutrition is far more nutritious. So uh, one of my missions is to uh, stop fisheries for the use of protein meals um, because I believe that na natural biodiversity in oceans uh, is disappearing too fast um, and we need to restore that. So that's, that's how the idea emerged. Now, the second part of your question, whether, uh, whether I was uh, uh, actually sane enough to think about the consequences of starting the business, because it's uh, quite a hell of a ride since then. Uh, we needed to develop new legislative frameworks, new technologies, new operating principles. So there was all, this, all these barriers in between the idea and the execution. So luckily I was young and I didn't have children. So, um, but um, yeah, that's how the idea emerged and how the adventure started. Interesting. And let's turn to the product line. And uh, before we get into the specific types of products that you're producing, uh, tell us what are the benefits of insect-based nutrition? So one of the, the, the key benefits is the antioxidant activity. So what we truly see is that the immune response of, of the animals eating the insects uh, is, is, is very positive. Um, it's far more positive than the pro-oxidant activity from, for instance, fish meal or chicken meal. So if you have fish or chicken and you want to feed them, um, then you have choices. The choices, of course, related to cost or origins. But now there's this new category that are ori originated from insects that you have ad additional benefits like antioxidants which is genuinely important when a creature needs to grow fast. So these are, these are only, and we're just scratching the surface of this because um, we, we are now market leader in, in, in this field, but the field is very young. Um, and, and, and so this is only one of them. Uh, we see other benefits like uh, um, a better uh, liver quality of the fish. We have seen uh, the, the plasma between the, the knee wrist and the shoulder wrist of the chicken uh, was more smooth, so there was less leisures. Um, so there's all these benefits that we've seen uh, in the last couple of years that that makes the feed and the aquaculture and the food industry looking at this with, with very big interest. I mentioned your product line. What are the food system markets that you target? Principally, we, we, we st we, our main objective is to create sustainable white meat and fish as fast as possible. So if you look at chickens, eggs, shrimp, and salmon and trout, these are five major categories of very concentrated protein growth. So these are very efficient animals. They grow fast uh, and they uh, grow very efficiently, sometimes even at a 1.1 1 
conversion rate. It means you only need one kilo, 1.1 kilogram of feed to grow one kilogram of, of target animal flesh. Now, within these sectors, the demand for sustainable nutrition is the highest. And that, those are the ones we target because that's where uh, the consumer can directly choose for this great product, uh, eggs, chicken, uh, trout, salmon, uh, shrimp, but all of a sudden with a vastly lower footprint. So with a much lower environmental uh, effect in, in, in measured in uh, CO2, land and water. Uh, so those are the targets to create sustainable meat and fish as fast as possible. Okay, let's look at, at one of those, aquaculture. Uh, what are the benefits? How is it applied in, in aquaculture? Aquaculture, these are, these are, this is a very interesting market, right? So this is one of the fastest growing markets and one of the most efficient uh, animals. Um, now for those fish, let's take, for instance, trout and, and salmon, feeds are formulated. And, and the feeds are formulated basically as a composition of proteins, lipids, uh, carbohydrates and, and, and some other uh, uh, additives. Now, within that, we can uh, replace the protein meals, some of the lipids, and we can increase uh, the functionalities, especially on the antioxidant side. And these are benefits that salmon producers start to see on top of the sustainability element that you can actually grow this fish with a lower dependency on marine-based ingredients. Because that's that's the tricky part, right? So that on the one hand, you're growing this fish, but on the other hand, you need these marine resources like fish meal or fish oil and other ones. And that's that's something the consumer more and more would like to challenge. Um, and that's where we come in. So on top of the sustainability of this replacement argument, we have some of additional health uh, benefits. You have a product for poultry, and on your website, you say that this results in a better tasting egg. Tell us more about that. Yeah, that was really fun. So basically, if you look at a chicken, right, it has two eyes on the side of his head, but the brain is a lizard brain. A chicken basically reacts to something that moves, and what doesn't move, it doesn't see. So these chickens are in this barn and basically waiting to be fed, but all these, these, these feeds are silent, uh, right? They don't move. So what we did, we, we, we brought uh, through a very smart system, live larvae into the pen again. And all of a sudden this lizard brain starts to work again. So this chicken becomes more active and it is less uh, uh, inclined to start pecking each other. Um, so this, this more active, more healthy chicken uh, eats aside a reformulated feed is live insects. And the, the combination of that, basically in public panels has, 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 has resulted in that people love the, the, the smell and the taste more, more natural. You know, the temptation is to go down the rabbit hole with each one of these products. I mean, I have to wonder, what, <laughs> what is the story behind the discovery of that? It's almost like the discovery of lobsters. You know, who, who thought of that first? I, I, I agree. It's, but it, this, is, this is the beauty. I mean, you have to go back a century to, to think about, so when, when was the last time this new category of ingredients was, was, was created, right? So uh -huh. it, this is truly a new platform. Well, once, once the boats got bigger to catch fish and, and to catch them deeper, all of a sudden fish was more than just a, a direct meal. It was this, this new category of ingredients. And fish meal and fish oil, other than that they're destroying uh, natural, uh, natural diversity, it's a good platform of nutrition. 
if you go back and, 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 and ask the question, when was the last, last time this new platform of nutrition was created? You have to go back a century. And that's why I like your remark. Is that it's true. You can literally go down a rabbit hole for each one of these, these new applications, and we only scratch the surface of it. I bet, and, and there's a lot, lot of things moving in the insect industry, we will see so many exciting applications in, in health-promoting benefits in chicken feeds. But what we'll also start seeing, we'll start seeing flavors uh, being extracted from insects. Uh-huh. We'll start seeing human applications. So I, I love this question. How can it be that larvae, they, they, they live and grow in these very challenged environments with a lot of uh, microbial pressure and they remain healthy? It's because they have all these, these waxes and these, these skins and these compounds around them. So what if you extract those? What if you isolate those? They use them in, in, in maybe uh, plant protection or skin protection. And uh, I'm not just asking them. We're, we're actually looking at some of these avenues, and we saw some very exciting things when we sprayed some of those compounds on leaves. So I, I fully confirm that it's, it's so exciting to think about all these these rabbit holes for each of these applications. It's pretty cool. Is there a particular insect that is your, your workhorse that's uh, key to your product line? Yes. Yeah, so, so we work mainly with the, the black soldier fly. Um, that's our, that's our uh, workhorse indeed. Uh, we have knowledge of some of the others, and we're, we have bred, uh, for instance, also a mealworm and a cricket. But why we've chosen to pursue um, uh, building the platform on black soldier fly is because it doesn't eat as a fly. So why is that interesting? It actually doesn't have a mouth. The larvae needs to store all the nutrition to transform itself, to cocoon, to pupae, to hatch, to mate, and to lay the eggs. Because anywhere between the eggs and the transition to pupae, it doesn't extract any new nutrition. So the larvae is especially nutritious um, to do all of that uh, after that. So that's why it's a workhorse. Uh, and there are some other benefits, but but the, it's a bit too detailed for now. But and so our platform is the black soldier fly uh, as a nutritional base. We've talked about agricultural pet food applications, I believe, also are included in your line. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, are you also engaged in developing it for human consumption? Yeah, absolutely. So in our office, there are two people who are constantly cooking these, these exciting new stuff. And then sometimes they're wildly tasty and wildly interesting. Um, well, let me just we'll let me stop you right there. Food. Like, 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 give us an example. What does it taste like? One of the things I really loved was a butter, which was which is, and it has to do with melting pathways. So, the melting temperature of insect uh, oil is very long. So, um, and why is that? In, so, when you put that on on a sandwich, and everything you top on, put on top of it um, has a very strong carryover. Because butters and fats are usually the the, the, the taste um, uh, intermittent. So um, the butter was really tasty. We had a, a consomme, so a, a basically a soup extract. Um, what we've did is oh yeah, baking oils uh, for for breads and cookies. Uh, the protein fillers. So the protein itself. So what we tested is a is a hybrid where we took uh, meat. Uh, meat, so grounded meat, I think is the word. So, and then we replaced half of it with our insect uh, meat protein meal, and then we gave it in blind testing to people. There was a hundred percent score, 
that all of them chose the mix with the insect because it delivered this additional nutty and even an umami salty type uh, flavor. Um, so other than it is a, be- a higher concentrated protein meal, it delivers a natural flavor. And that is why I think it has big potential because if you look at the meat replacement development, it's hard to do that without a whole range of additives to, to, to uh, match the taste. So this insect protein meal comes with its own taste taste uh, uh, platform, or um, how does it call that, uh, palatability. And that is a very exciting development in food, of course. The people who tried these products and, uh, and approved and liked them, were they later told what they had had? Yeah. Were they amazed? Yeah. But, uh, a lot of them were amazed, um, especially if you, it, it, I think what you alluded to as well in the beginning, right? If, if it's a hidden ingredient, the egg factor is overcome really quickly, mm-hmm. right? Then the curiosity kicks in much easier. If it's a visible compound, uh, then, then it's, um, it's harder to, to, to skip to that uh, curiosity. But the hidden compounds, um, it, was, it was fantastic. Right, we're not talking about chocolate-covered grasshoppers here. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. We, I, I agree that is a bit of an adventurous, uh, maybe a party-style thing that you put a cricket on a stick with a with a chocolate dip. Now we're we're indeed we're really talking uh, on ingredient level and enriching a product or a food with the the, the ingredients we supply. I don't mean to trivialize. I just think that the uh, the human mind generally kind of goes in that direction when we're talking about insects. And perhaps we need to get past our arachnophobia here and because we're talking about <laughs> sustainability, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, My what I discussed as well earlier, I, I've even coined a term for that and, and wrote a book. It's called The Footprintarian, whereby basically you combine all the, all the basic principles. Is all my products, foods, services, goods, and experiences, I wish to source at the lowest possible footprint. Because when you have the choice to buy different products, services, goods, foods, and experiences, you are already at the top 10% in the world, right? So, and once you're there, your footprint is simply too big. So every individual has a contribution to make, to make the future um, inspiring and motivating again. So there's, there's one objective we, we all have, whether you're a government and creating new legislation or at a company creating a new product or as a consumer buying something, you need to somehow source your and fulfill your desires at the lowest possible footprint. And, and in that, I kind of appeal a little bit to everyone's responsibility to overcome anything, right? If, if, if you're, let's take a, a sidestep. I know it's very cool to have your hands on the steering wheel and own a car, but you have to overcome somehow that, that feeling, right? It's about mobility. You have to ask your government and companies to fulfill your mobility at the lowest possible footprint. That's cool. Same as with foods. It doesn't matter. It, it literally doesn't matter how it looks like or how it's made. As long as you like it, it's tasty, and it's produced at the lowest possible footprint. And, and in, in trying to achieve that, you have to overcome everything, anything. You just have to ask the question to companies and governments to help you fulfill that need. And, and, and our contribution in that is, is that we have an ingredient that has the lowest footprint 
in terms of protein, uh, uh, per unit of protein in terms of energy, water, and land. Um, and we've proven that with the Deutsche Institute uh, for Lebensmittel, with ETH Zurich. Um, we can produce over, and, and, and this is phenomenal, our production cap uh, capacity is 6,000 ton of protein per hectare per year. And, and that number, I'll put it in perspective, it's three for soy, intensified soy. It's 100 for the best algae farm. It's about four to 500 for an extremely well-developed uh, fermentation type approach or, or bacterial. And we have 6,000. And that, and that is because our technology, the bio biology, the operations, everything is under control and, and we manage it in a very high-tech environment. But that, that, that system, and if you then uh, normalize that to the used energy, water, and land, then that protein meal just should find its way in every product imaginable, whether it's a, a pet food, whether it's a feed, whether it's a direct food, it doesn't matter because we need to reduce the footprint of our food system. Well, this would seem to have significant implications for efforts to mitigate climate change. It has. Huge. An another thing that uh, you talk about on, on your website, mycotoxins, a threat to livestock producers, especially in the Midwest here in the United States. What has your research revealed about how insects can play a role in reducing these molds? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, one. What we found out is that they can break it down. I'm not sure yet, but but I expect that that the indications will even be stronger. But we could extract a, a compound from our insects and use it on the crop side. Our fertilizer on the soil improves the soil quality and therefore reduces the risk of the mycotoxins. But that is a development still. What we, do, what we have already seen is that if you take mycotoxins, then there are huge amounts of corn and other cereals that cannot be used in the food system, they're discarded, then they can actually be fed to our insects, they break down a mycotoxin, and then those products that come out of it, the protein meals and the lipids, can then be used again in the food system. So... And that is quite impactful. So it doesn't have to go uh, to lanceling or digestion or uh, any other utilization outside the food system because that is a true waste. So mycotoxins, we already saw that the ability of insects to break it down, fingers crossed, I'm not, not making the, the, the scientific pr proof yet, but there are indications we can even avoid it. Well, Case, tell us about your contribution to discussions about supply chain collaborations from, from production all the way to the consumer level. This is, of course, the uh, nicest opportunity, but also, of course, the, the, the one that takes the most effort. So we're, we, we have this new ingredient, and we're about four or five stages away from the consumer. And uh, every single supply chain has its own dynamic, right? I, whether it's uh, purchase risk or whether it's uh, minimum size needed or whether it's uh, ability to um, afford the, the increased price. So there are always, always challenges. Um, now, how we try to solve it is to go all the way to the consumer with a brand we own, something like the Ur Egg or the Friendly Fish. Uh, and then we try to, to bring this narrative of their Mr. and Mrs. Consumer 
we can help you make a choice to buy a product where all the way to the fundamental resources, a sustainability trigger will be made. Now, how does it look like? And then we then we tell that on the packaging, we tell that um, uh, through uh, uh, in-store uh, communications. And then we see consumers like having this aha moment, right? So, aha, of course, sustainability is more than an LED light in a farm or a, a, a non-plastic packaging. It is, where does the primary ingredient come from? How is it made in the meantime? And is this end product actually healthy? And these three questions, we try to answer um, based on our proposition, of course. Um, and in order to, and, and once we have that brand in place, we go back to the players in the, in the middle and we, we start helping them also creating their contribution and, and, and increase the demand for our ingredients. Well, speaking of your contribution, uh, I'd like to ask you if you can condense this. I know it's difficult to put this in brief form, but if you could describe for us, Case, the, the future food system that you imagine. So for me, it's one in balance. So if I simply look at myself, it's, it, it's, it's becoming more and more guilt-laden, right? Everything you buy, is all, there's always this downside related to it. Mm-hmm. And those downsides become more and more visible. Now, I don't think we have it in our nature to um, be always in some form of restriction. So you can no longer do this. You can no longer do that. You can no longer do this because it's not good. That's not our nature. Our nature is motivation, inspiration, long-term, endlessness. So these that is our nature. And I think the food system is one that's so primal, it's so close to our skin. If we can make that in balance with nature again, then your purchase and your consumption is guilt-free. And all of a sudden, it's no longer guilt-laden, but it, it is pleasure-laden. And that is, that, is, that is the basic picture I would like to draw for the food system. And I can't do everything. I'll do my part. But that is the picture I would like to see for the food system. Okay, I have to ask you this question. What was it like for you and for your people when the king came visiting (laughs) that's of course such a fantastic recognition i mean it's it's truly fantastic it's um we had about 10 or 12 colleagues um at all different parts of the factory explaining uh, to his majesty what uh, the king what was engineered how it worked um and and the cool thing about our king is he is extremely committed to stimulating innovation and especially uh, at the crossroads of of business, education, science, uh, and I, I'm pretty proud about uh, the, the the amount of um, innovation that goes on in the Netherlands, even though it's that, that small. And having having him as a as a true advocate of that, um, and then coming and visit us uh, at, the, at the grand opening was was quite uh, yeah it was pretty cool. Case Arts, founder and CEO of Protex, an insect-based nutrition company headquartered in the Netherlands. Thank you so much for joining us, Case. Thank you. This has been Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.